Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. I am your host, my name is Joseph Scrimshaw. With me, as almost always, is a small drink of whiskey, a little splash, a light puddle. Here is what my whiskey sounds like. Ah, tastes like the mysteries of the Force. 
Anyway, we are going to get right into this. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know what this is. If this is your first time listening, here is what this is. I get some grievances from Star Wars fans, and I try to make people feel better about the part of Star Wars that is bothering them by offering my own opinions, some different points of view, and sometimes some nice absurd bits of counseling. So, here we go. We are going to go into something that is very recent in Star Wars, and that is time travel. Is time travel recent, or has it always been? We will get into that. This counseling comes from the most recent episodes of Star Wars Rebels as we gear up to the conclusion of the series. So if you have not watched this episode of Star Wars Rebels yet and don't want to know anything about it, spoilers, spoilers, travel forward in time and listen to this once you have watched the episode. With that in mind, here we go. This was sent in, a couple people sent this in, but uh, specifically uh, this was sent in by someone named Nerd Frequency at Nerd Frequency. I shouldn't say named. That's not their actual name, but that's the name I have. So, at Nerd Frequency says, I'm going to need some Star Wars counseling after that Rebels episode. It was really cool and well done, but time travel doesn't belong in Star Wars. Hope it was a one-time thing. Now, this is all very understandable, and I love hearing the sentence, I hope it was a one-time thing when talking about time travel. Anyway, I do agree that it is a concern. I hope that it is used judiciously, and I really do think that time travel will be used well now that it has been fully, completely introduced into the Star Wars oeuvre. Now, I think this is a concern that a lot of people uh, have had, that they didn't ever want time travel introduced into Star Wars. They never wanted alternate dimensions introduced into Star Wars, which I don't think we've seen alternate dimensions yet. We'll get into that as well. But uh, I had my own concerns, and I have to say that I really, really loved this episode of Rebels. I loved the way the concept of possible time travel was introduced to Star Wars. Now, I would not like it if it had been introduced in a more traditional way. If it was just like someone built a time machine. If that was one of the other tech projects that Galen Urso was working on on the side of just like, hey, I built you a Death Star and also a time ball. Just hop into the time ball. I would not like it if the Emperor had just basically got someone to build him a TARDIS. I would not like that. Although that mashup is fun to think about, that the Emperor would just travel around all of time and space. He would pop out of a blue box. He would point at a jelly baby and then say to someone, You want this? Oh, man, that is just a delight for me to have said that out loud. And I would like to thank the people who, like me, are in the middle of the Star Wars and classic Doctor Who Venn diagram who understood what I just said. Anyway, I have long been fascinated by the idea, the possibility of time travel in Star Wars. I hosted a nice roundtable discussion about it on an episode of Force Center, on an episode of the main show that you can look up. I have talked about this to uh, friends in bars. I have had dreams about it. Is time travel 
a match for Star Wars. It's always been an interesting thing to think about, but in our current pop culture landscape, it's a huge thing to think about because so many other properties use it. Star Trek has used it. Obviously, it's a huge part of comic books. It's what Doctor Who is about. Twin Peaks, this is a spoiler. Twin Peaks, The Return, this latest season, introduced a whole bunch of ideas about time travel that were lightly sprinkled in in the movie Firewalk With Me, but really doubled down on the concept of time travel. Even Game of Thrones, again, spoiler, has introduced time travel, the idea that a person has, a Bran has traveled through time and basically made one of the characters that we have always known. It was an answer to a huge mystery. Why does Hodor say Hodor? Well, time travel. And uh, in modern, I said comic books, but in modern superhero movies, that has been a huge part of the idea of them, in particular with uh, DC. I guess I shouldn't say movie, I should say television shows, really, because it's the Flash television show that introduced to the DC world the idea of alternate dimensions and time travel, and using time travel not just as a fun device, but an explanation for continuity an explanation for rebooting things. So now if you're a fan of DC at all, you can watch the television shows where they have concretely introduced the idea of time travel in alternate dimensions and say, everything about DC that I've ever seen on a screen exists. The Wonder Woman television show from the 1970s, that's canon. That's a specific universe. Then the current DC shows, and then the grim dark universe of Zack Snyder, that is absolutely its own separate dimension and reality. Sure, why not? So there's been a focus to me in my mind of time travel and alternate dimensions. Will they ever affect Star Wars? Will Star Wars ever use this as a tool to handle how much content there is to make it all make sense. Will they ever go so far as to say the movies are current canon and now uh, the Legends canon is also this other alternate dimension that exists because time travel and the two realities forked off in any time that I brought this discussion up to almost any Star Wars fan, something deep in their gut arose and it came roaring out of their mouth and screamed, no, no, no. It makes Star Wars fans at least in my experience of talking to them, upset to think about these sort of time travel, alternate dimension, canon ideas floating around. And when I've talked to people about it and really drilled down, you like this in comic books, you like this in superhero shows, you're fine with this in Star Trek, you even want that to be the story of the Marvel movies where, hey, maybe Thanos is going to change reality and we're going to get a new, entirely rebooted Marvel universe on screen. Who knows? People are fine with that. But not Star Wars. And here is what it always comes down to. When people search their feelings, they discover they don't like this idea because Star Wars is about fate. It is about destiny. It is about characters making difficult and pivotal choices. Certainly, the characters who are tied up with the Force, who are tied up with their fate and destiny. Luke Skywalker makes his choices, and then they affect the galaxy, and that is not to be changed. But it is not just the Force-wielding characters who have uh, their characters defined by those pivotal moments of destiny where they make a choice. Han Solo, in the very first Star Wars movie, makes the choice to return and help Luke destroy the Death Star, Raddus. Now, Raddus might be a Force user, and that would be some cool canon, but it's a huge moment when Raddus 
decides, yes, it is time for the rebellion to fight. He doesn't listen to the alliance, and he just goes himself and uh, joins Jin and her team. Countless moments like this in Star Wars that should be immutable can't be changed. Rey calling the lightsaber to herself in the forest on Starkiller base, which might be Ilum, who knows. Luke making the pivotal decision to send his force projection to Crate if he had not made that difficult choice, that sacrifice, the resistance would have been entirely wiped out. You can get down into the minutia of random characters who have made fateful decisions. The First Order TIE Fighter pilot who blew up the quad jumper on Jakku. If that guy or that lady, that TIE Fighter pilot, had not blown up that quad jumper, Finn and Rey would not have jumped into the Falcon. They would not have reconnected with Han. Who knows what would have happened? The Tusken Raiders who kidnapped Shmi, that one guy at the end of Rogue One who passes the Death Star plans disc through the door when he realizes it's not going to open all the way and Darth Vader's going to kill him. He could have kept struggling with the door, but he made that pivotal, fateful choice to slide that disc through the door. And so when I've talked to people about time travel in Star Wars, they've felt that to change those moments or even have those moments up for change will change who the characters are and therefore will change the very fabric of Star Wars. I have agreed with this concern. Part of the fun of Doctor Who is that it is shifty. If there is ever kind of a continuity question, the show kind of shrugs its shoulders and says, you know the whole show is about time travel, right? Things shift around a lot. Time travel used irresponsibly in media can lead to just a feeling that these moments maybe don't matter. Now, I wanted to bring all that up because I think that is not what happened in this episode of Star Wars Rebels. I liked the time travel because it was all about those themes of fate and destiny. Time travel was not used to wipe those themes aside. It was used to highlight them. The place where the time travel happens, the world between worlds, is nice and mysterious. It's weird. It's forcey. Now, we don't know a whole lot about the place where the time travel happens, the world between worlds, which is accessed through the Jedi Temple on Lothal. We're told it's a place where you can access all of time and space, which will allow you to control the universe, which is a great line because normally Star Wars says galaxy, which implies this is even bigger. The universe is bigger than the galaxy. We know that when Ezra and Ahsoka are walking through it, they hear voices, they hear quotes, and this is kind of a, uh, it could just be a, a fun nostalgia moment of tying all of Star Wars together and reminding you that it's all big, one big story, one big saga, all the bits of canon do tie together, but it is so much more because all of the quotes are about the nature of the Force. They're about moments of connection between people, and most importantly, a lot of those quotes are about moments of choice. Again, underlining that what happens here matters. It truly matters. It's not, to borrow the Doctor Who phrase that I am not always a fan of, it's not all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. It matters. I love that the voices we hear 
even reflect Qui-Gon Jinn's quote from The Phantom Menace when he tells Anakin, your focus determines your reality. And we can hear this because we get to see both Ezra and Ahsoka hear a different collection of quotes. When Ezra enters, he hears voices specifically about the challenges and decisions he is about to face. He hears Jin Erso calling the rebellion to action. He hears Ray talking to Finn, saying that she believes she will meet her friend again. He hears Yoda cautioning Anakin about the dangers of attachment, of not being able to let go. Those are all of the choices that Ezra is about to face, not only within the world between worlds, but when he gets out as well, when he makes whatever final stand he is about to make when these final episodes of Rebels drop, he is going to have those choices about attachment. He is going to have those choices about when is it time to push the rebellion forward to face the horror and the responsibility and the need for war. So not only are all of those quotes, all of those voices underlining those big Star Wars themes of fate and destiny and pivotal choices, they're also tailored to who is hearing them. Because when Ahsoka is rescued by Ezra, she hears some quotes as well. But she hears quotes from Vader, specifically Obi-Wan once thought as you did, and you don't know the power of the dark side. This is basically, if you imagine that the world between world is all of time and space, everything that has happened and everything that will happen in the future, and it is all just sort of drifting around, floating through the space, that those moments are what Ahsoka picks out. What we as the audience here is beautiful because it addresses exactly what she is thinking in that moment. She is getting absolute confirmation from all of time and space, that Anakin has made the choice to become Vader. She learns through those voices that she cannot save him. Those voices, the power of the galaxy, the universe, all of space and time, gently remind her to let go of that attachment. And in moments, that lesson that she learned, she will be able to help pass on to Ezra. So with all that in mind, let's get to the big moment of saving, the big actual time travel moment of the episode, and that is Ezra's Choice. Look for that young adult novel coming soon, Ezra's Choice. Anyway, Ezra finds the portal in which Ahsoka is battling Vader, and he is encouraged by the Convor, the Force Owl that we now know is perhaps the spirit of the daughter, or a form of the daughter herself, nice and ambiguous, the way, in my opinion, weird force things should be, and uh, goaded, encouraged, goaded is a mean word, encouraged by the hoots of the force owl, Ezra makes the choice to rescue Ahsoka in that moment. He pulls her out of that temple on Malachor and into the world between worlds, just as Vader is slashing down to cut her head off, and also her Montral, which I believe is the name for Togruta's head tails. Anyway, in that moment, that moment I think is maybe the one that some people are struggling with, because that is a moment of crystal clear time travel. Ezra changed the past. 
But does that subvert some of these big themes of Star Wars that we're talking about? Well, let's talk about Kanan for a moment. Uh, As we learn in the episode, Kanan appears to have uh, shared some spirit power with the Loth Wolf, that he has been able to express himself through this Loth Wolf named Doom. He has encouraged Ezra to go there to this temple for this purpose— That is both the way I interpreted the episode, and then I read an interview in which Dave Filoni just said it. So that mystery is solved. Dave Filoni confirmed that this is the idea that Kanan felt like it was a mistake to go to Malachor, that he screwed things up, that he was at least partially responsible for Ahsoka's death, for the loss of Ahsoka. And he wanted to use his power to speak to Ezra through this Lothwolf and convince Ezra to go to the temple and alter this moment. Again, that is all about fate. That is all about destiny. That is all about a character making a bold choice. And understandably, after... Uh, Ezra has rescued Ahsoka after Ezra maybe begins to get a glimmer that that is why his old master, Kanan Jarrus, Caleb Doom, wanted him to go to this place. He is then tempted to rescue his master, Kanan, because why wouldn't he be? Many ideas in Star Wars are teaching us to let go, to let go of attachment, uh, that it can, that there can be a positive side of attachment. Uh, Luke's bond with his friends, his love of them, his confidence in them uh, ends up being one of his greatest strengths. But of course, it can also be a weakness. We see Anakin's fall when Anakin selfishly wants to hang on to Padme, not because he's concerned for Padme's suffering, but that he can't cope with his own suffering should Padme die. That is negative uh, attachment, and he has needs to let go, and that's in fact one of the voices that we hear from Yoda trying to tell Anakin exactly that. Anakin, of course, doesn't hear it. So we have this very interesting light side, dark side balance moment where Kanan seemed to want Ezra to change the past, to not let go of Ahsoka, but then Ezra is immediately tempted to apply that same emotion to Kanan, but it immediately becomes a problem. Now, let's talk about the Kanan portal moment. Ezra actively searches. He tries to find the portal where Kanan's last moment might be so he can pull him out just like he did for Ahsoka. He comes to a specific portal and he sees Kanan's final moments. Now, my good friend Alex over at Star Wars Explained, I watched his great video about the world between worlds, and he had a great theory that this was maybe not even real, that Kanan's last moments were being shown to Ezra by Palpatine, because in just a few moments, good old evil Sheev is going to show up in that same portal. Now, I think that's a great theory, but for the sake of argument, I like the idea that maybe Palpatine did draw Kanan, or draw Ezra, rather, to this portal by showing him Kanan 
as a form of temptation, the same kind of manipulation that Palpatine might have even been involved in in terms of getting Anakin to fall to the dark side by making him fear loss. I think Sheev had a mysterious little hand in that in my own headcanon. But regardless, I like to believe that even if it is a manipulation on Palpatine, that it is still legitimate within the powers of the world between worlds, that Ezra could have made the choice to reach in there and rescue Kanan. And he might have rescued Kanan, and he might have just fully opened the portal to Palpatine. That's some great fodder for discussion. For now, though, let's talk about it just in terms of the Kanan choice, that Ezra has a choice to rescue Kanan or not. Now, Ahsoka tells Ezra specifically not to rescue Kanan because she implies that his moment is different than the one that she was pulled out of that it would alter time, and it would cause the rest of the ghost crew to die, because, of course, Kanan died in self-sacrifice, holding back the fireball of explosion and death, and giving a nice big force push to the ship so that the ghost crew could go on and live and have their own fates and destinies. But Ahsoka also says something that I think is really awesome, that it would be taking away Kanan's choice, Again, underlining those important themes in Star Wars. Kanan chose the moment he was most needed, we are told in the episode, and he gave himself selflessly like a Jedi. That Kanan had the vision to know this is the moment where he is most needed and he chose to sacrifice himself. That's destiny. That's fate. That is the agency of making a choice. So to me, the time travel in this story is only reinforcing some of the deepest and strongest themes in Star Wars. And I think uh, that's the lesson that Ezra learned, that there are pivotal moments for all of us. I think in that moment, Ezra understood his pivotal moment would be to make a final stand for Lethal? Who knows? Always in motion is the future until Monday when those episodes air. I mean, the episodes are done. Anyway, you get my point. Let's get back to time travel. So people have always been resistant to time travel. Again, the people that I have uh, discussed this with. And the idea is that time travel is new to Star Wars, but the way it was introduced in this episode makes me think, is time travel entirely new to Star Wars? There are several examples where uh, force beings, powerful force nexuses, alluded to this kind of time travel. We, of course, have the well-established Star Wars canon going back to Empire Strikes Back that Jedi and Sith and other Force users have seen through the mists of time. They can see the past. They can see the possibility of the future. And it's not just time. It's also space. When they meditate, they can see friends far away. They can connect across the stars. So it makes sense that there are places like this world between worlds that maybe that's even what a what a Jedi or another Force user is tapping into when they see the future, when they meditate on the past, to see the possibilities of the future. So just as a Jedi Sith Force user power, the ability to time travel through visions has always been in Star Wars. 
there is also in the Clone Wars an explicit moment of a kind of time travel, and it connects back to this very episode of Rebels in the Mortis arc, that three-episode arc. Obviously, it introduces the world of Mortis, the powers of these Mortis gods that are all connected to the Lothal Temple and everything that is happening in this episode. What happens is uh, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka go to this mystical place, this planet called Mortis that seemed to be both a mystical place and also concretely a planet. But when they finally escape at the end of that episode, they have spent far more time on Mortis than has passed for Rex. Rex specifically says uh, something along the lines of, well, we were worried about you there for a moment. Uh, I'm totally paraphrasing here. And our heroes say, uh, a moment. We we were there much longer than a moment. They were there for several days. So that is a moment of time travel. We didn't really look at it as time travel because it was more about the mysticism of Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka's adventure on Mortis and being on this different plane, the different reality around this planet. But from Rex's perspective and from their perspective, that's a little bit of time travel. And filed under It's All Connected, we also have some evidence of time travel in novels. Uh, The book From a Certain Point of View, which collects all sorts of different stories of different characters in A New Hope, we get some juicy information about Force Ghosts, Force Spirits, specifically Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, who have mastered the ability to take their living force, move into the cosmic force, and retain their consciousness as a single entity, as a single person. And the story uh, for Obi-Wan is this great time-shattered moment as he is first becoming a Force spirit. As the living Force is merging with the cosmic Force, he is basically shattered in time. If you've ever read Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut, it's basically that. Billy Pilgrim has become unstuck in time. Obi-Wan Kenobi was unstuck in time. He was flashing back to moments with Anakin. He was flashing back to moments of defending young Luke Skywalker on Tatooine. He was flashing to his last moments of life on the Death Star. He wasn't necessarily traveling in time, but this same idea that we see between in the world between worlds is right there, that all of time, all of space exists, and it's all happening at once from the perspective of the Force. And maybe from the perspective of any sentient being, the past is locked and the future is possible because Obi-Wan also sees glimpses of the future. And we also get that from Qui-Gon. When Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan commune in the book uh, from a certain point of view, Obi-Wan is calling out to his old master while Luke is going to see the burned skeletal corpses of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Obi-Wan is communing with Qui-Gon, and Qui-Gon is reflecting on Obi-Wan's life and what is in his past and what Qui-Gon can see that is right in front of Obi-Wan Kenobi, his very near future. So again, time travel, not new to Star Wars. It's been a very, very floaty, interesting force idea. And the world between worlds, again, it's not a time machine. It's not just something that got whipped up in a lab. It is very much connected to this large idea of the force and one of the abilities of the Force, one of the powers of the Force, is to connect 
all things, all places, all moments of time. And personally, I love this because this is a bumper sticker I should have on every vehicle I ever enter. Keep my force weird. Just like those bumper stickers that say, keep Portland weird, keep my force weird. I want the force to be so much bigger than we can think. That is also one of the quotes from Ahsoka that we hear floating around in the world between worlds. Just when you think you understand the force, you realize how much you don't know. Like me paraphrasing that quote. Just as much as I almost said that quote right, I probably didn't. But I think that's been one of the big strengths of both the Clone Wars animated series, led by George Lucas, of course, and Star Wars Rebels, led by Dave Filoni, Lucas's Padawan, has introduced us to all sorts of different ideas of what the Force can look like. We have the Bendu, who created a weird lightning storm, just a big Force moose creating a lightning storm. Awesome. We have the Night Sisters magic, whatever incantation the emperor seemed to be saying he seemed to be doing some just straight up old school witch stuff is this ideas that he stole from the night sisters on dathomir in order for him the emperor to access the world between worlds it seemed like he needed a light side user like ezra to kind of halfway open up the portal and then he did his weird incantation and it looked like he was almost like had a big old kettle of force magic and that's great because i don't know what that is maybe i'll get a little bit more i don't ever want to know exactly what that is and we even have stuff like this in the big star wars movies we have the implied creation of anakin by manipulating the midi-chlorians the will of the midi-chlorians what does that even mean we have even rogue one the gritty down-to-earth star wars movie introduces the idea and all of the books that surround rogue one that kyber crystals are alive. This most recent episode of Rebels even uh, acknowledges that Ahsoka is aware that there are many different ways to retain your existence within the Force after death. I love that she said there's many different ways because, again, it opens up all these questions. We know from canon at this point that Qui-Gon stumbled upon this way to... uh, become more powerful than you can possibly imagine to retain your existence once you uh, move from the living force into the cosmic force. And Kanan seemed to do something like that. He seemed to commune with these force-sensitive wolves, and maybe one of these wolves was always destined to carry the spirit of Kanan for a short time. Maybe it was an agreement that they made through the force. Who knows? My point is, the world between worlds and the time travel that it represents raises as many, if not more, questions than it offers answers. And personally, I think that's the way the Force should be. We've heard lip service from our Force characters from so long. The Death Star was insignificant compared to the power of the Force, says Darth Vader. And in one way, it's like, okay, well, what can you do with the Force? Choke people over Skype? cool. That is very, very powerful. Not as powerful as blowing up a planet, but every time, every Bendu, every Night Sister, every weird incantation the Emperor makes is a fulfillment of everything that our, our Force-using characters have ever said about how big, powerful, and ultimately unknowable the Force is. 
I also love how we discover the world between worlds, that it isn't just uh, Ezra and Kanan and Ahsoka all got together in a different version of Rebels and they meditated a little bit and bam. I like where it was found. It was found in a Jedi temple. We're getting to see even more about different Jedi temples, a Sith temple on Malachor. But what's cool to me about this is the fact that the world between worlds is locked away underneath a Jedi temple tells us so much about the story of the Jedi. It helps flesh out the story of the Jedi that at some point they discovered this portal. They created this portal. Did they build the temple over the portal? Did they invoke the portal by building the temple? The point is that we know that we have a very long time of Jedi starting on Octu on that island in the very first Jedi temple, and then they had a very long time to explore the mysteries of the Force and make choices, because by the time we catch up with the Jedi in the prequel trilogy, they're a little locked in. They're a little dogmatic. They have a way that things are done. The way that things are done is not questioned too much. We even learn in episodes of Clone Wars that the deepest secrets of the Jedi the most uh, uh, precious Jedi information and holocrons are locked away in a part of the library that only the Jedi Council members can even access. So something like this portal to a time travel dimension where you can control and the fate of the entire universe, I have to imagine like that's maybe in one of those holocrons that only Plo Koon can look at. Maybe we'll get more story there, but for now, in my headcanon, I like the story that the Jedi have found hundreds of strange realities like this, strange abilities and powers and responsibilities, and tellingly, they have left them alone for whatever reason. I have to believe that Yoda is well aware of this temple. In fact, it does appear that maybe Yoda is somehow accessing its power in order to speak to Ezra in an earlier episode of Rebels where they first discover the Jedi Temple on Lothal. Who knows? I don't know. Dave Filoni knows. If he's decided yet, maybe he hasn't. Maybe he's giving an interview right now. If you think of it as Yoda is well aware that this power is here, that the Jedi discovered it long ago, and uh, he fails at stopping Darth Sidious and the entire galaxy falls under his sway, Yoda could have said, yeah, you know what, maybe I'll skip Dagobah, I'll just go right to Lothal, I'll open that temple, I'll find the portal, I'll just pop through real quick and drive my lightsaber through the side of Sidious's head, problem solved. But Yoda does not do that. So it, it communicates some sort of respect for the power that maybe some time travel is acceptable, and other moments can't be changed. Regardless, it opens up all of these interesting questions. Did they think the power was too much? Did they lose knowledge of it? Did they just decide no one ever touches that? And now if all of this time travel, alternate dimensions, if those questions get to be just too much for you, and you're like, hey, Star Wars is about fun. It's not always about reaching through portals to change destiny. It's not all about crystals. Relax, you hippies. You are safe, and even this episode of Star Wars Rebels reminds us 
of that. I have been talking a lot in the run-up to a Solo, A Star Wars Story about all the different strands of DNA that are in Star Wars. Right there in the first movie, A New Hope, you got Luke representing the fate and the destiny. You got Leia representing the responsibility, the politics, the rebellion. And then you have Han Solo, the smuggler, the rogue, the bounty hunters, the crime. And right here in this episode of Star Wars Rebels, we're reminded of that by the reaction from all the other characters, from Zeb, from Sabine, from Hera, they're all aware. Ezra's doing some weird force crap. We don't know what it is. Sabine's got great scenes of understanding the art, understanding how that could uh, interact with the portal. Uh, Sabine certainly seems to have respect for the importance of fate and destiny and whatever the spirit of Canaan might want, whatever Ezra might need to grow and take the rebellion in the next direction. But They're not like, hey, yeah, let's get in there, too. We want to get in there. No, they're like, you know what? Let's solve our problems with our blasters and our wits. My point is, if you're like, yeah, I don't like time travel. I hope they don't abuse it too much. Let me tell you, I would be shocked if there's a bunch of time travel in Solo, a Star Wars story. We're still going to get those other parts of Star Wars that are separate from the most uh, exotic and strange parts of Force use. We're still going to get smugglers who only trust a blaster at their side. So, so far, my counseling is that the use of time travel fits the exact themes of fate and destiny and personal choices that a lot of fans have always been frightened that the uh, time travel idea in Star Wars would disrupt. Also, have to remember that this is not going to be an always thing. There's all sorts of parts of Star Wars that are never, ever going to touch time travel. That said, let's talk just a little bit more about time travel because uh, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Doctor Who. I'm a, a big fan of the way that time travel has been brought up in Twin Peaks before it was even an explicit thing. Twin Peaks had this great idea of alternate dimensions. Our hero, Dale Cooper, finds himself in the Black Lodge, where time does not work the same. There are parts of Twin Peaks that imply that the exact same idea as the world between worlds, that all sorts of moments of time are accessible from this strange dimension, and that the idea of time being linear is only one way to look at reality. So all of those ideas make me excited to think about what kind of time travel did we see in the world between worlds? Now, there are two, and and I'm sure many more, but two things that pop up in time travel, pop culture and storytelling all the time. And you can see both modes of time travel in good old Back to the Future. Here are the Back to the Future examples. Uh, On one hand, time can be changed, the past can be altered, and it will change the future. Of course, when uh, when Marty is unable to make sure that his parents hook up, he starts to disappear. But almost at the same time in the movie, we have a different idea of time travel. And that is that time travel has always happened. Any time travel that has happened has already happened. What is sometimes called the bootstrap paradox idea of time travel is represented by the questionable part of Back to the Future, where it seems Marty invents the music of Chuck Berry. And of course, this is a time loop where, in theory, if Chuck Berry is sitting around and then his cousin calls him 
and plays him or, or show, you know, holds the phone up so he can hear this great song being played. And then Chuck Berry says, okay, great, I'll do that. But then in the future, Marty has heard this song because Chuck Berry wrote it, but it could never have been written by Chuck Berry if Marty hadn't gotten back in time and played it. That is a nice time loop. Also, weirdly dumb that young white guy came up with uh, Johnny B. Good. But that's a different conversation and just my opinion. The question is, in World Between Worlds, which did we see? Did we see that if you go back and you mess with time, if you step on a butterfly, everything will change? Or did we see the bootstrap paradox? Who invented Johnny B. Good in Star Wars is the weird question I'm asking. Now, again, Unless Dave Filoni himself is giving an interview right now where he tells me I'm wrong, I think the episode invites really fun debate about what kind of time travel we saw. So Ahsoka tells Ezra that removing Kanan will kill the ghost crew, that that is a moment in time where he will alter things by pulling Kanan out. So that is a moment where the episode is telling us you can truly change time. You can change fate. You can change destiny. But then we have to look at what happens with Ahsoka. Of course, in the episode World Between Worlds, we see Ezra reach in and appear to pull her out just as Vader would have cut her down. Now, that said, in the original episode of Rebels that featured this battle between Vader and Ahsoka, we appear to see a different thing play out. We appear to see the big explosion of the temple. We see Vader walk out wounded and breathing heavy. And then very faintly, we see the figure of Ahsoka walking towards this triangular door. Now, from my watching of these episodes, it seems like when Ahsoka jumps through the portal at the end of World Between Worlds and goes back to the destroyed temple on Malachor, that she walks in the same sort of gait as that shadowy figure towards the same kind of triangular door. Now, this, to me, implies that Ezra has always pulled her out. And there is no version of the timeline where Ahsoka died. Again, I'm just speculating. Hashtag speculate responsibly. But it seems to me like maybe... The episode is offering us different ways to look at time travel. And you can even look at the Ahsoka moment two different ways. It could be that, yes, Vader cut her down. And because no one else was there, it didn't change anything in that specific moment. Or you can look at it as Ahsoka has always been saved by Ezra. And that's why we saw in our own linear television watching time that moment where she walks away and walks towards that triangular door, it also introduces the question of if, if this is the way that time has always been, that uh, Ezra has always pulled Ahsoka away from Vader's blade at the last second, and then she has returned a few moments later to Malachor, then what does that mean about Ahsoka's role in the fate of the galaxy? I'm very, very curious in these episodes coming up how Ahsoka's fate will play out. Will Ahsoka make huge choices that affect the fate of the galaxy? And we'll maybe start to get an inkling of, did Ezra truly change time if you go for the interpretation that there's a 
timeline where Ahsoka died, then her being brought back and making a big choice will affect the entire future of the galaxy. Or, like me, you can lean a little bit towards the theory of that moment was always meant to happen that way, and there is no version of time where Ahsoka did not survive the fight with Vader. All of this time travel stuff invokes the classic Uncle Ben problem with great power comes great responsibility. In Doctor Who, a lot is made of the idea that the Doctor flits through time because as a Time Lord, he has this uh, power, this internal ability to know what moments in time mean in most of them. Most of them are in flux and can be played with, but there are fixed moments in time. And if you try to change things, there are horrible consequences to pay. Now, those are great, great Star Wars themes about fate and destiny and pivotal choices. So I think this is one of those great meta questions. Are there fixed moments in time? How will that time be used? With great power comes great responsibility is true in the galaxy of Star Wars and to us Star Wars fans, it is true in reality. Now that the, intro- the idea of time travel has been firmly introduced, will all of the creators who create Star Wars for us, will they use this power responsibly? And I think the answer is yes. I think the fact that this story is coming at this point in the history of the galaxy is interesting. Uh... I'm obviously interested to see how Ahsoka's story will play out, but we also know that the fate of the galaxy for a couple more wars has been determined without anybody time traveling. Obviously, this uh, this portal was closed, and uh, we have to assume that even even if there are other links to the world between worlds, or there are other worlds between worlds, that Palpatine never found one, or else he'd be a little bit more alive. And I know, I know, someday in the future, maybe two years, maybe 200 years from now when we're still telling Star Wars stories, maybe someone will decide, you know what, Palpatine did go back in altered time, and there's a bunch of clones of him at every Force-sensitive planet, and people are going to find that out eventually. Maybe that story will be told someday, but I don't feel like that is what the creative team is going towards. This seemed like a specific idea. It did not seem to me like this was created as a tool for imminent rebooting and retconning. I actually saw a very uh, nice conversation uh, between Andy Gutierrez, uh, host of the Star Wars show, co-host of the Star Wars show with Anthony Carboni, where a fan was saying, you know what, I'm gonna imagine that these portals in the ability to change time actually do mean that Everything in Legends, the whole EU happened. And then the sequel trilogy and everything that the official Lucasfilm canon is building is also true. And Andy responded, that's not what we're intending creatively. But of course, you should always, as a fan, create the headcanon that you want. And you can believe that's true if you want. That's not officially what Lucasfilm is saying. But you can believe that if you want. So that uh, reaction also means to me that... This isn't setting up. This isn't like Thanos coming with the reality stone where like, hmm, that's maybe what they're building toward. This seems more like this was the right story for the right time to tell the story of Ezra, Kanan, Ahsoka, the manipulations of Palpatine. 
It's such a great story for Palpatine. Palpatine has a bunch of lines uh, in books and in films about wanting to explore the powers of the dark side and unlock the secrets. And it's great that he is trying to unlock this world between worlds, which is maybe a natural place and wants to use it unnaturally to abuse time. And if you think about it that way, too, that the idea of messing with time in a way that you shouldn't is a power of the dark side. It's something the dark side would want to do, that it is uh, manipulative and bad. That is also saying, hey, yeah, maybe the creators aren't going to do it a bunch. They're not going to have our heroes keep popping in. That's not going to be what happens in uh, episode nine. Ray's not going to pull a Luke out of a portal. I don't think that's where we're going. So more than anything, my counseling, ironically, about this time travel concern is don't time travel with your mind. Just be in the present. Uh, much like Nerd Frequency, who sent in this grievance, thought it was well done and cool. So just ask yourself, in this moment of your Star Wars fandom, did you enjoy this episode? Did you enjoy this idea? Did you enjoy what it means for the characters whose story we're watching right now? Then let go and just let yourself enjoy it. Because right this very moment in Star Wars canon, this big overt time travel is a one-time thing. Until Ezra pops through a portal into our reality and changes everything. I don't think that'll happen either. Anyway, here's my summary of my counseling. I think that the way time travel is used fits the world, the themes, the idea of Star Wars. I think it invites fun new mysteries and really fleshes out the Force being so much larger than we can understand. It's got great bits of thinking about the light side versus the dark side and balance. That's what the father, the son, and the daughter are all about. I think it's really cool that the light side users can open the temple, but the dark, angry, close-fisted dark side users can close it. I think it's cool that Palpatine, with all of his power, seems to need Ezra, this light side user, in order to truly access that place. So it invites all of these fun ideas about the force, about the dark side, the light, the balance. It also gives us a fun game. If you want to just go crazy with, yes, yes, there are force users who are constantly popping into a world between worlds somewhere. Somehow they are reaching through portals and they are changing all sorts of little moments to Star Wars. Now, the original version of Star Wars A New Hope. Of course, Han doesn't shoot first. Han shoots only. Greedo doesn't shoot at all. But in the special edition, we see Greedo shoot next to Han, and he does a little jerk to the side. Ah, why? Well, clearly, Ezra's reaching through a portal and pulled Han over with the Force. Now we have an answer. What a fun, ridiculous game this is. Is there a version of reality where Luke... Just as he about is about to leave Tatooine, uh, somehow from somewhere, those power converters from Tashi Station just come flying out, pushed through a portal by Ezra, perhaps? Who knows? Is this why stormtroopers are all bad shots? Has Ezra opened a portal to every time a stormtrooper has ever taken a shot and given them just a little force push so their shots go wild? Who knows? That is probably not true, but I think one of the great things about Star Wars even when there's something we don't like or think is weird or doesn't quite track, in general, the community has years 
of joy and fun, making jokes out of it, making memes out of it, poking fun out of it. It's another way to just live in the world of Star Wars. And boy, boy, do these ideas of portals where you can reach through and affect time, they are a gift to meme makers everywhere. So that's it. That's all I have to say. Just all of that. That's all I have to say about time travel after the big finale of Rebels this coming Monday as I sit in this specific moment of time. Uh, Ken Knapsack and I will be doing a big breakdown of these last several episodes of uh, Rebels, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about time travel. I'm anxious to talk to my buddy Ken and see how he feels about all of this, but I was so, so intrigued by the time travel that I really wanted to dig in here on Star Wars Counseling uh, at Nerd Frequency. Thank you for sending in that grievance. Thank you to the other people who sent in that grievance. Please, if I have convinced you in any way to be less worried about time travel, I offer you to join me in this happy place that I live in called I Love Time Travel. Join me. You can always send me grievances like this. It can be about Star Wars stuff that is happening right now, like the time travel stuff. It can be about just general things in the community. It can be specifically from movies. We've got uh, a few more grievances from The Last Jedi that I want to get to. You can send those to me on Twitter or Facebook. Please do use the hashtag Star Wars Counseling so I can find them. And speaking of finding things, you can find me on all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed. You can get access to all those things on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter is at Force Center Pod. You can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Force Center and buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And Awuga, new, we have a website which you can find at forcecenterpod.com. Potomatic.net. And until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for Star Wars Counseling. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.